0: Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. We continue. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open our hearts and open our ears to hear from you. We ask you, Lord, that your word would be planted as a seed in our heart, Lord God. That it would give fruit lord we thank you for every single person that's in this house and we just trust lord that your word is going to do what only it could do we love you and everybody says amen now i used to preach all the time like almost every saturday i would preach because i used to be the youth leader here at a uh, at spring of life for the living stone so when i'm up there in milwaukee i don't want to lose that that passion that that almost that that skill so what i do is when i'll be driving or i'll be at school and god will give me like a message you know how how he used to when i was here now i could say oh that's nice forget about it what i've been doing is i'll whip out my phone real quick and i'll type it down and i have this note in my iphone called preach and it's about 20 to 25 pages long uh, because I've just been storing them this whole year, and and I'll turn to Erica, and Erica's like my church, uh, and I'll just start preaching to her, and I'm like, oh, the Lord show me this, and and she's like, oh, that's pretty good, and so I will type it down. So my phone is filled with unedited and unfinished messages. So I'm rusty. I haven't I haven't preached in a long time, and whether you believe it or not, I'm very nervous, and my hand may shake every once in a while. Uh, because I'm so nervous, but I'm, this is one of those messages that, that God gave me a few weeks ago. That this idea that the world is waiting for a certain type of people. And I'm very excited. Last night I was up at 3 in the morning just finishing it and I couldn't fall asleep. And I was like, Lord, how will be fall asleep? I'm so tired because I was so nervous and, and looking forward to sharing. But I digress. Number one. The world is waiting for a people who know who they are. The world is waiting for a people who know who they are. Let me tell you that God's people need to know exactly who they are in Christ Jesus. And we just read it. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's who we are. But I think that sometimes the church is going through an identity crisis. You see, the world is changing so fast. Just every day, new things, new styles, new culture shift. Sometimes for the good, but sadly and mostly for the bad. We just see our world seems to deteriorate more and more and more into sin and more into darkness. So the church starts seeing all this change and they start freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Uh, uh, How how do we look? How do we dress? How do we do service? How do we preach? How do we sing? And they start to, to freak out because they feel like the world's changing, so we have to change. But let me tell you, it's the church that needs to change the world, not the other way around. It's the church that needs to be leading the way and giving the cues, not the other way around. Amen? Now, believe it or not, I know kind of what it's like to go through a bit of an identity crisis. And you're like, come on. You're like 20 years old. No, I'm not. 27. I forget sometimes. I'm getting old. But just to give you a little story A little over a year ago this time, before I got into dental school, I had to go up to Milwaukee by myself for a six-week pre-school program. For six weeks, all by myself. For the first time in all my life. I'd lived with my parents, you know, the Cuban way, up until (laughs) I left the house to go to Milwaukee. For six weeks, I was plucked out of my little bubble. And for those of you who know me, this bubble is very real, and it's very strong, and large, okay? Out of my little bubble, up to Milwaukee, whose nickname is Brew City, because there's so many breweries of beer, the beer flows like materva up there, okay? (laughs) It's everywhere. At school functions, beer and kegs. Like, wow, it is Brew City. And so I'm outside of my bubble putting 1,500 miles between me and everyone and everything I've ever known. It's a very unique experience. And I started to wonder, am I going to be the same person in a new environment? Are my convictions that I preached about and I lived by all these years, are they going to stay or was it all fake? Did anything stick that these people have just been pouring and pouring and pouring into my life? Who am I going to be when I take away all of these external things? Did, is ev- anything real? Just to give you a little glimpse into this new environment that I was in, you know, I got up there to move in, and Erica and my parents actually came with me. And, you know, I was engaged to Erica already, so she was kind of scoping out the place. And uh, she was seeing where she was about to live for the next few years. And I'm there with my family, so I'm now with a whole new group of people they are going to be my, my classmates, my, my friends. So we have this lunch, and I'm like, Erica, you should come with me so you can meet all these people that I'm going to be surrounded by for the next six weeks without you. So we're there sitting at the table, and I'm like, hey, this is this person, this is this person, and we're eating, and then all of a sudden, this girl, a little bit down the the table, starts talking. And she's like, I, last night, we went to a strip club, and uh, I started kissing the stripper, and Erica's like, for real? Needless to say, I was, not allowed to talk to that girl <laughs> for the rest of my life. I got a few pinches <laughs> under the table, okay? I'm here to take her to show her the people I'm about to talk to and, 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 and spend these next six weeks without her, and we have exhibit A <laughs> right down the table. Erico's was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> This was my new world. This, I started to get these ideas like, wait, a, I'm not the youth pastor anymore. I, I'm not doing what I used to do anymore. My actions are, are not the same anymore. My position is not the same. I started to get this ungodly and hellborn thought. That somehow, because I'm not in ministry anymore, I'm not in youth ministry anymore, I'm not one of the pastors, that I'm somehow less spiritual, less used by God. Now, I want to be very careful with this point because I don't want anyone to leave here confused. I had to learn that my identity was not defined by my actions because I was looking at my actions and saying that's who I am. What we need to do is look at our identity, get that right, and our actions will follow. You hear what I'm saying? So many people out there want to divorce and separate actions from identity. They say, no, I could do whatever I want, and I could say whatever I want, I could go wherever I want, and my identity in Christ will stay the same. I could go out and do whatever I want, I could sleep with whoever, I could do whatever, I could leave my my family, this and that, and my identity will stay the same. But there's a problem there. That's a twisted mindset. Our mindset needs to be, I don't do whatever I want because I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for us. Let me tell you that your actions are dictated by your identity. Your actions come out of your identity. So if you get your identity straight, your actions will follow. You understand what I'm saying? Everyone getting this? Now let's address something really quick. World changer. Have you heard this phrase? Maybe a few times. It's on every sermon, it's on every t-shirt, and it's at the beginning and the end of the radio program world changer right why because pastor knows that if you get your identity right your actions are going to follow everything else will follow if you know that you are a world changer you're going to start acting like a world changer you guys get what I'm saying if you know You are a son and a daughter of God. You're going to start acting like one. Stop focusing on your actions. Start focusing on your identity. Not any identity, your God-given identity. You see, your identity isn't dictated by your actions, and it's not dictated by your position. It doesn't matter if you're here in Miami or up in Milwaukee. It doesn't matter if you're a dentist, a youth pastor, a mechanic, an architect, a doctor, whatever you are. God wants to use you. I don't care if you're a Starbucks barista or you live in a cubicle Monday to Friday and even Saturdays when they call you in. You are called to be a world changer and your identity does not change. The question is, are you going to walk in that identity? Or like the prodigal son where you leave it behind, are you going to walk in your identity? The church needs to say, I know who I am. The people of God need to say, I know who I am. Because you see, only a creator could, can give its creation its identity. Our identity is all over this book. If you're have, having an identity crisis, start reading this book and you'll start to know exactly who you are. Start listening up during the preachings. Because God is going to start to speak vision and identity into every single one of your lives. And you'll start to know, you know what? I'm a child of the one true God. I am part of this holy people. I am part of a chosen generation. I am a world changer. Amen? The world is waiting for a people who know exactly who they are. Now, number two. The world is waiting for a worship-filled people. A worship-filled people. In, In the verses that we read at the beginning in 1 Peter 2, it says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Who here knows what that's about? Getting called out of darkness and who praises about it? Amen? now when we went up to milwaukee obviously we were leaving our church here okay we weren't going to be you know the the church of the internet even though we watch the the live stream here all the time we wanted to join and be part of a church up there so you know me and erica are just like on the internet just looking for a church all over the place we're visiting this one and that one and you know erica was obviously I want to join a church. I need to join a church. So we we would leave a church, and she'd be like, so, 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 what do you think? Did you like it? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't feel it. And the big thing for me was the worship. Because the music was fine in most of them. You know, most of them. And I used to be part of the worship team, and Now in the church that we lead, I am one of the worship leaders. So the worship was a big part for me. So even though the worship was fine, the people up there during the worship service were like this. Coffee in the morning. and It's just so beautiful. And this song is so good. And they were like this. They were the whole time. I'm like, God, we're worshiping. We're worshiping. Come on, act like you're worshiping. I was looking for a church, and the way that I would describe it is a church that's alive. A church that knows who they're worshiping. Not some nice show that they're enjoying, just warming up before the sermon. Let me tell you that worship is not an appetizer. The worship service isn't a warm-up to to break the ice, okay? Okay. It's part of the table that God is setting for you here every morning. And to go further, it's essential that we worship God. So I was looking for a church that was alive and acted like it. In worship, we finally found this great little church who worships, who dances, who jumps, The the people in the front jumping during the service, they sing a lot of the same songs that we sing. And we finally found one, thank God. But our attitude needs to be this. I will never be late to church again because I need that. I will never be late to church again because I need that. Worship is when God starts to move. Have you ever been in that situation where you're just struggling to get to church? It is just a grind. The kids are being kids, and, you know, the traffic light, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't even want to go at this point. Your job this morning, your boss, your client, you're, you're at I'm going to preach in the Spanish service. Pray for me. <laughs> that God would provide a, a translator. So you're struggling to get to church, but then you get here. You find your seat. The countdown starts. And then the music starts. The singers start to sing. And guess what happens next? God starts to move. God starts to do what only he can do. God starts to make a way where there was no way before. God starts to impart to you a vision that you start to see things in a way you never saw them before. There's a story in Second Chronicles where it says that uh, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord And praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Where? At the head of the army. They weren't the men with the spears and the shields. They were the musicians at the front. And they would sing giving thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It wasn't even anything battle related, the songs that they would sing. Just giving thanks for his love endures forever, and if you read on to that story, the Bible says that the Lord went before them, defeating their enemies, and can I just say that that's the same God that we serve today, that's the same God that we worship today, and when we start to worship, he starts to go before you, preparing a way, defeating your enemies, he starts to tear down walls like at Jericho. As the men would walk around, not fighting, not banging on the doors, but just walking and then praising. Just walking and then praising. Why does worship work? Just like in Jericho, when there's worship on your lips, there's no room for anything else. When there's worship on your lips, there's no room for complaining and anger and hatred and unbelief. When there's worship on your lips, your heart is filled with thankfulness, faith, hope, and love. That's why worship works, because we worship a true living God. Can I just say that your worship is a problem? Your worship is a major problem. It's a major problem for our enemies. Because when God's people start to worship okay, it causes some problems down in the gates of hell. The devil starts to, to shake. They, they start to say, shh, they're, they're worshiping him again. They're worshiping him again, man. Your worship, your praise is a problem for your enemies. When you start to worship, God starts to move and do what only he can do. Say, I will never be late to church again. I will never be late to church again. So next time you're here worshiping, lifting up your hands and somebody taps you on your shoulder, you could just turn to them and say, I'm sorry, wait, my victory is on the way. Wait, I'm sorry. God is moving right now, please. That could wait. Next time somebody wants to make you late to church again, you say, get behind me, Satan. Don't say it to your wife. But they take time to get ready. I've learned that. It's another thing I've learned. Get used to waiting at the door. Have a book to read. (laughs) Erica's awesome at that for real, though. She gets ready pretty fast for a girl. So next time somebody wants to ruin your worship, that time that is so essential here, don't let anything get in the way of that. Worship is essential. My last point, so the world is waiting for a people who know who they are. The world is waiting for a worship-filled people. And the world is waiting for a people that will carry the burden. The world is waiting for a people that will carry the burden. Now, we all have burdens to carry, you know, and um, another quick last story. (laughs) Um, When we got married, one of the burdens that Erica had to carry was cooking for us because, you know, we divided the burdens. I would take dental school and she would take cooking, because if we switched, it would be bad. Okay, we would be eating cereal and sandwiches every day, and people would be getting the wrong tooth, you know, pulled out. It would not be good, but it was a burden for Erica, because, you see, my palate, my eating habits, consisted of pasta, rice, bread, and burgers. One of those things are a combination of only those things. And notice they're all in the the brown uh, color range, you know, full carb loading at all times. That was all I ate. Erica, on the other hand, she eats with all the colors of the rainbow. (laughs) She eats green things and bright yellow things and orange things. And I'd be like, what is that? That is not pasta. That is not a burger. Where's the rice? Because you know in a Cuban home, it's something and rice. It's, okay, what's for dinner? Rice. I know rice, but what else? It's just a given that it is rice. So Erica had this burden to carry, and she started to get sneaky. And sneak in mushrooms. And broccoli. And green things. And I'd be eating there happy. She's like, you know what you're eating? (laughs) that's not even a burger. I'm like, what? She's like, that's yogurt. I'm like, how did you even do that? You just ate a portobello mushroom. I'm like, what? She started to sneak things into my food without my permission. And she's transformed me. Now I eat spinach. And I don't mind broccoli in my soup. That was her burden to carry. Now, that sounds funny. But some of you in here really did come into this place with some heavy burdens. And my point is, the world is waiting for a people who will carry the burden. And you might be thinking, what? another burden i feel like a pickup truck i'm carrying so much burden on my back already but that is serious that is a serious reality for some of you in here you've come in here this morning with a crushing burden on your back family burdens a financial burden a relationship burden maybe some of you are carrying the heavy burdens of guilt worry, anxiety, and doubt, and you feel like you're carrying the world on your shoulders and you're working so hard to carry these burdens, there's this verse that may apply to you. Come to me, all you who are weary, who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Who here could relate with that verse who wants to apply that verse it goes on take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul my yoke is easy my burden is light my burden is light if I could have the worship team come up as we finish There's this book that I read in high school. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. And it's written by a man named John Bunyan in 1678. And it's considered as one of the greatest works of English literature. It's been translated into more than 200 languages, and it's never been out of print. So in this book, there's this man named Christian. And guess who he? symbolizes each and every single one of us. And his life is, and this whole book symbolizes our life. And I want to read to you this part. Now this is out of chapter three. Up to this point, he's been carrying this heavy book bag on his back, this heavy burden on his back, until he reaches this hill and it reads, Christian ran till he came to the hill. Upon it stood a cross. A little below it was a tomb. Just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden was loosed from his shoulders and fell off from his back and began to tumble and so continued till it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and saw it no more. Then said Christian with a happy heart, he has given me rest by his sorrow. And he has given me life by his death. And he stood a while to look and wonder. For it was very surprising that at the sight of the cross should his burdens be eased from his back. It's at the cross that Jesus takes all of our burdens. But wait, didn't I say that the world is waiting for a people who will carry the burden? Yes, because read closely to that verse. It says, I will give you rest, those who are burdened, but take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because you see, what happens is when you start to give your burdens to God, He starts to trade you, yours for his. And as usual, it's an unfair trade. He gets all the heavy burdens. And we start to carry his light burdens. How can a burden be light? It's because there's grace to do so. There is grace and there's peace to do so. You see, the Lord has a burden for two things, the world and the church. It's that classic verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He has such a burden for the world that Jesus died for it. And he has a burden for his church too. And let me tell you, when you start to carry the burden for the church, it's easy to serve. You don't have to ask or be asked to serve. You're at every meeting, you're at every opportunity to serve, you're there. Because that burden is light. And guess what? It's a joy to carry it. It's a joy to carry it. All your sorrows of carrying your heavy burdens, they're gone. And now to carry this burden of serving in the church, because it is a burden, it's a joy to carry it. And there's grace to do so. Amen? And when you start to carry the burden for the world, evangelism, sharing your faith is easy. It's a joy because you carry that burden. What a paradox for a burden to be light, for a burden to be joy. If you're here this morning and you're carrying a heavy burden that is causing you strife and worry and anxiety. It's time that you, just like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, would come to the cross and watch it fall off your shoulders in an instant. Because let me tell you that God is willing and able to take all your burdens. And you start to see, when you start to give him your burdens and you make that exchange, you start to get a fire for serving in the church. You start to join the team, whereas before they had to call you, where are you? Are you going to be here? Listen, we're doing this thing. We need help. Not anymore. You already know what's happening. You're already there. No, not, not even that. You're, you're planning it. You're helping to plan it. You're leading it. When you start to carry the burden for the world and for the church that God has. Now, let me ask you something. If we're walking together down the street and suddenly I, I drop all these quarters down, on the, on the sidewalk, and I start picking them up, what are you going to do? Are you just going to stand there and say, hey, you missed one over there? You're going to start doing it too, right? And that's what starts happening. When you start to walk with God, you start to do what he does. And let me tell you what he does. He, he reaches out to the lost, and he loves his church. He reaches out to the lost, and he loves his church. Let's stand this morning. Make no mistake that the world is waiting for something. He's waiting for God's people. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. Say, I'm God's people. people. I will carry the burden. burden. I I I want to know who I am. I want to be filled with worship. So right now as we sing this song, fill your lips with worship, fill your heart with worship. If you came in here with heavy burdens, come to the front and watch it fall off your shoulders because you don't have to carry that anymore. God is stronger than your burdens. Right there where you're at, start to lift up your hands and worship like you never did before. Say, Lord, take my burdens from me, Lord Jesus. I want to serve you, Lord God. Lord, I want to serve you, Lord. I have nothing else to live for but for you. Come on, let's sing it out. Let's sing out loud. It goes on and on and on.